time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. Happy belated Independence Day to you. I know I did all of the uh, well wishes and everything uh, last Friday, or I should say last Tuesday for our episode. I did because we did have an awesome interview with Major Bill Lee from the U.S. Marine Corps that aired on Friday, July 1st. And that was kind of our, our send off into Independence Day weekend. But I hope you guys did have a, a great weekend. I hope you uh, partied hard all weekend and uh, just celebrated the freedoms that we get to have every single day here uh, in America. We've come a long way, right? We've come a long way. We've had some hiccups, uh, you know, throughout our history. But uh, overall, uh, man, I, I can't think of a better place to live, a better place to uh, just uh, embrace embrace what uh, whatever life throws at you, to embrace the freedom. And, uh, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about it uh, while the day was happening because you get a lot of different mixed emotions. You know, for a lot of us, uh, Independence Day, it's uh, it's almost hey happy Second Amendment Day, happy you know because without the uh, the Second Amendment, with without uh, people defending themselves, uh, who knows how that revolution would have gone? And I know there was some uh, bad things that occurred over the weekend as well, uh, a, a mass uh, you know mass murder in in Illinois. Uh, there was also a uh, a shooting of a uh, a young man, Jalen Walker, I believe was his name. Uh, as I sit here on Tuesday recording, July 5th, um, I don't have a ton of information yet, so uh, I don't want to comment uh, too much on it. Uh, I, I, do, I did take note that they did occur over the weekend, especially the, uh, the awful uh, murders that occurred uh, on the 4th of July at a celebration, uh, no less. And there, there's still people out, man, in this world who uh, they need serious help. And, and it's, it's funny to me how so many times we jump to the uh, mental health thing. We, we, we jump to that, and I'm not saying it's not there, clearly, because it is there. But so many times we, we jump to that when it's not really necessary, almost as like a scapegoat. Oh, mental health. Oh, I can't compete in the Olympics. Oh, mental health. Oh, yeah. I'm, but we, we refuse to like accept that there are some real mental health issues out there. I mean, there's still people that... Uh, you know, just want to kill, kill random people. I don't know if, it, if it's, if it's them being, uh, you know, tied down for a couple of years here with COVID restrictions, if it's uh, not having friends, if it's not having any purpose, I don't know what it is. It's happening more and more now. It's not because uh, more guns are available and stuff. Uh, it's uh, we've always had guns. And, and anyway, you guys know where I stand on that stuff. So, and the Jalen Walker shooting, um, I want to get more information on that. I do know that uh, reports said that he did uh, fire his gun at police and he was uh, leading them on a, on a chase and everything. The, the police sounded like they, uh, you know, uh, used a, a heavy use of force. We'll say uh, this is just what I've heard so far. Um, again, running from cops is never going to end well for anybody. Um, and and I, that's kind of all I'll say on that for now. But uh, outside of those bad things that occurred, I hope you guys can see this on YouTube. And for those listening, I will uh, display my new shirt from uh, an avid listener of the program. Mr. John Lee Jr. sent me this shirt. It says end bad things. And it has a nice little peace ribbon that you see on so many different uh, things out there. Uh, I got to say thank you to John. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, I kind of went on a rant about magical T-shirts and how the NBA and especially Steve Kerr and End gun, end gun violence, end racism. And I just said, well, let's just get some shirts to say end bad things. That'll fix everything. Uh, unfortunately, you know, obviously from the bad news we saw over the weekend, these magical shirts don't work. Um, I wasn't wearing mine on the 4th of July, but uh, bad things do happen. But I, I request that everyone out there stand with me in solidarity to end bad things. I, I, I'm going to wear this shirt proudly. And uh, I, I cannot thank you enough, uh, John. Uh, and, and it was John's brother who was on our podcast on Friday talking about his service in the Marine Corps and his bodyguard work and the great work he's doing at Mount Care now. But I just, yeah, I've gotten some great merchandise from some, some listeners over the years. And, and this one, man, this, this one takes the cake for now. I mean, 
uh, your, you know, maybe recency bias. I don't recent relevance. I don't know if it's that's the issue, but I'm not begging for gifts here. I, I don't beg, not begging for gifts. This was John just reached out to me and said, Hey, which, which logo do you like best? And I thought he was kidding at first, but no, and bad things, man. Come on. Who's with me? Join me, guys. Join me. Join me in, in, in pledging. I'm, I'm going to have to get this like uh, on, on Facebook, my, my uh, profile picture or something so that we can end bad things. If we just say it and believe it, it can come true. Yes, it can. Anyway, John Lee, thank you. I'm also wearing my USA back-to-back -back, uh, World War Champs hat. My good friend Fred Montablanco got me uh, a couple of years ago for I think it was a birthday or a Christmas or something uh, he usually forgets every other Christmas, but uh, so it was some, some gift for some time, but thank you, Freddie. Uh, I was going to wear this proudly uh, on the 4th of July, but I ended up going with my, my big sun hat instead. Cause it had some USA logos on it and it was a sunny day. We couldn't ask for better weather, better weather, bed, slow down, better weather uh, this 4th of July, at least here in Southern California. Uh, of course, warm it's July, uh, but sunny, a lot of uh, like a, a nice breeze, um, not too, some 4th of July, you're just sweating, just begging for ice cream or something to cool you down, right? Uh, it was phenomenal weather here in Southern California. We walked over uh, to a little uh, a car show. Uh, they had some live music going, some little tents with food and, 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 and goodies and stuff uh, right, right across the street, basically a couple blocks away. So we went there, uh, enjoyed that, saw some really cool cars. Um, the weather was perfect, like I said. And uh, this weekend, uh, man, you know, some of these holidays, woo -wee, they, they, they get you, they get you in the food department. And if you're celebrating correctly, you know, you should be overindulging a little bit. We had, a, we had quite a weekend. I worked Saturday, uh, came home, we, we cooked up some chicken, had some uh, veggies, kind of like uh, some rice, a little, little simple, simple start there. Uh, Sunday, uh, it was, uh, I said, we're cooking. I want to do scallop potatoes, which is one of my new favorite recipes I've, I've learned how to do. So started, uh, did that. We did some steaks, nice little different cut of some, uh, like pot roast kind of not quite pot roast, but kind of that nature. Uh, and of course, corn on the cob can't go wrong there. And when I made my purchases on Friday for the big weekend, uh, I made sure that I, I found something that was very fitting of 4th of July. And I went with some brats and Italian sausage that uh, we threw in not just a hot dog bun, but an artisan type hot dog, uh, type of hot dog bun or sausage bun, you know, uh, grilled those up, the, 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 the brats, the beer brats, they were really good. Uh, just had some chips with that. And then of course, ended it all off with some ice cream. You can't have 4th of July without some type of dessert. Usually when I was growing up, it was uh, in the backyard at a, a family uh, house we, we went to, it was, it was s'mores. It was the only day of the year we had the, the sticks and the s'mores and it was so cool. Uh, you could see the fireworks in the distance, just little memories like that. But we, uh, we settled with some uh, ice cream to end our uh, night of celebration. And you know, what was really cool that we also did is uh, you know, we've almost been at this new place here for a year and it was kind of like, what are we going to do? We're going to go somewhere. Kind of just, we wanted to cook up a bunch of food and enjoy ourselves. We walked over to that park, but I just said, let's just be outside. And we went out on the sidewalk. We don't have a front yard, but we have a apartment complex kind of there's a little gra grass area and then the sidewalk. So we went out there, some tables, some chairs. Uh, we were tossing the, uh, the beanbag toss cornhole. Uh, we did. We had some music going, brought out the cooler, had some uh, some nuts and, and chips and just sat out there and didn't really have a plan. Just we're going to listen to fireworks. I don't know if we're going to see any. And we did, in fact. But as the the daytime turned into that evening. We were just out there hanging out. And wouldn't you know it, a couple of neighbors ended up coming out and uh, spending some time with us, socializing with us, just sitting there. And, and it was kind of nice. It felt like old school. It felt, I don't know, May Mayberry or whatever. What show was that from? I, I don't even know. I just know that, that phrase. But uh, just out there sitting on the, on the uh, sidewalk, sitting in the shade and, and just talking and enjoying the patriotic uh, country music out there and uh, you know, not all country music, but you know, some classic rock and stuff. And you know, what's funny is I thought about this the other day, because when I start at, at uh, bright and early in the mornings at FedEx, we're up topside pulling out packages out of these giant cans that are in airplanes. And then we throw them down the belt. They put them into the appropriate trucks and everything. And it's always like hip hop music. It's always something that's kind of full of energy. It's six in the morning and 
it, it's probably by design. I don't know who always, well, I do know who DJs, but uh, it, it's just some of the lyrics are like, okay, we get it. Like <laughs> same certain words over and over that I will never use on this podcast. But um, I, I just, uh, I thought about country music on the 4th of July as I was looking for like patriotic music and there's big band stuff, but it's kind of like country music obviously has that natural, like, patriotic feel to it it's easy to do country songs into patriotic songs you don't see it as much in other genres right and it's kind of similar to i don't know christmas a christmas country or patriotic country like country is able to uh contribute to different holidays and different occasions i think than on any other uh genre of music at least that's my opinion and uh so i i did find that and I love country music anyway, but sitting out there listening to country music, especially songs about America and uh, just just living the good life. It was a nice, nice Independence Day and just made me very overcome with emotion about how uh, how good we have it, how how far again we've come. If you look back 10 years, look back 20 years, heck, look back 200 years, look at all the changes that America has uh, has had over those years. I mean, I, I'm uh, 37 years old now, man. I look back to when I was in high school and what, what America was like. We were there right, right when 9-11 happened. And then, you know, of course, the aftermath after that, after that with Operation Iraqi Freedom and uh, in the war in Afghanistan. And it, it was just, you, you just, you just, you have, the Independence Day is a great time to just sit back and really reflect on uh, the blessings that we do have. And I hope everyone gets to do that while they're eating their hot dogs, while they're jumping in the pool. You know, I say stuff like this, even during like Memorial day, but, but it is important. And it's turned into uh, one of my favorite holidays. You guys know, I'm a, still a big Christmas guy, uh, but the 4th of July independence day um, it's basically a midpoint too. You got about, it's about halfway to Christmas or Christmas is halfway to independence day. However you want to look at it. Um, but man, you can eat, you can be around friends, people wave the red, white, and blue. I mean, some of the outfits I saw were fantastic. And it's just like, I missed it. I wish we had more days like this independence month. What about that? Everyone else has months. Why can't, why can't independence day, uh, uh, be a month or a couple of weeks? I don't know. It's just, I, I think we could, we'd be better off as a society. Maybe if we embraced uh, America, that American spirit a little more often. And some of you may think, oh, we get it. We get Veterans Day and we get Memorial Day. And you know, it's just like, you can't go wrong, man, celebrating America and what the founding fathers went through to pave the way for us. I mean, I, 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 would, I have a hard time uh, thinking that when they were signing the Declaration of Independence and making the decisions that were going to ultimately change their lives, I, I have a I have a tough time if they could fast forward 200 and uh, almost 50 years and envision what America is. I was very proud of America, uh, you know, most of my life. Uh, it's a little harder these days just because there's so much um, division. There's so much uncertainty, but I think it's still the best place to live. It's the reason so many people try to come here. The hopes and dreams, the American dream. I don't know of any other country that has that. Uh, phrase, you know, oh, the, uh, the the Canadian dream, the the Irish dream, maybe it exists. I I don't know. Uh, I I've only know America, and that's not to say I put I put down other countries and everything. I hey, I have, uh, you know, we all come from somewhere else, and uh, I, I'm well aware of that. But it sure is good to live in the USA, man. And uh, what a weekend! I love the fact that it came on a July Fourth came on a Monday, so you get that three day weekend. Um, it would be nice if it, uh, well, the thing is July 4th itself is such a significant date. It would, I think the best day you could probably come on it is a Friday. Everyone gets off Friday and then you still got two more days to, uh, uh, we'll say recover or keep going, whatever, you know, uh, keep fighting the good fight like our founding fathers did. And I already today uh, indulged in some leftovers because we still have, we got food for days now. And, you know, if you don't eat it now, it could go bad. So I uh, got to take advantage of that. But again, happy Independence Day to everybody. It was really, um, it was really a blessing. And I got some very kind words from uh, some people about the uh, podcast I put out on Friday, again, with Bill Lee. And, and, I mean, anytime you talk to the Lee family, they're just incredibly amazing guys who, um, you know, they, they love freedom. They're, they're very pro-masculinity, which uh, I think everyone should be. 
And uh, they're incredible examples of uh, the type of men that we should all strive to be. So big thank you to John Lee. Uh, thank you to Bill Lee for uh, coming on the pod, John for the shirt and uh, Ken Lee. I'm loving your video still, man. I, I hope all is well with that sunburned head of yours, or, or uh, maybe I saw that incorrectly, but I can't believe that the work you're doing in Idaho and uh, the, the Lee, the Lee family can't say enough about it. Um, so thanks a lot guys for that. Okay. Some big news. <laughs> Last week, going into the weekend, I have some other topics I want to get to today as well. Uh, let's jump right to the USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Uh, about a year ago, I heard a, you know, a rumor, one of the talking heads said, yeah, USC is considering you know, other conferences. And they were talking about even going independent, kind of like Notre Dame and BYU had done. Um, but someone mentioned, I remember seeing yeah, the big 10, they're thinking about it. And at the time I was like, why would they, I could see them doing like a big 12 pac 12 merger. Do you guys remember like five years ago, maybe it was longer when it was in real talk. I mean, real talks that, uh, Texas, Texas tech, Oklahoma and Oklahoma state were going to come to the pac 12 and make it a pac 16 and kind of branch a little, little, uh, East from the, the Pacific, uh, West there. And that was a, from all, all understanding, a, a real, a real deal that, that could have happened, but ultimately it did not. Um, the big 12 ended up losing uh, other teams like uh, Missouri and uh, who else did they, did they lose at one point? Uh, Nebraska, uh, two teams that used to be Colorado uh, had, had just gone to the PAC 12, I think. So there was, that was kind of the end of that. And then, you know, a year ago when Texas OU go to uh, announce they're going to the sec and it's like, wow, you left the big 12 kind of standing, uh, standing there without a chair when the music stopped. But the huge news with USC and UCLA uh, making the jump, not just to another conference, but to arguably the second best conference in America and a conference that your closest home game is, I, I don't know the exact number, but 2000 miles roughly in Nebraska. I know uh, Omaha is about 2,000 miles from here in Southern California, but for USC and UCLA to go to the Big Ten, I mean, there's so much to talk about with it. My instant reaction is um, I always think of baseball because that's my background. I umpired uh, college baseball, and uh, I've done some traveling. I've been in the, the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference, where uh, you, you got teams in, uh, at, at what time, in, you know, you could work a game in Bakersfield. You can go to Texas to work a game. Uh, Chicago State was in the conference. Um, I never went there, but there was just so much travel in the WAC. And I remember speaking of these smaller schools, Boise State years ago. Trying to, they've always tried to get in the Pac-12. They tried to get in Conference USA at one time and be a team, uh, you know, three thousand miles away or whatever. So, travel for some of these schools, it's not as big of a deal as maybe some of us would think. Uh, you know, your air, your plane rides now are not an hour or two hours; they're they're four or five hours. So, uh, if you're flying private and chartered, uh, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Um, but USC. USC basically led the charge with this thing, and it only made sense to have another school go with you. And why not just sink your uh, Big Ten flag there in the in the Los Angeles market? Both both teams. I mean, without those teams, had just USC uh, left, I still think it would have, uh, in a way, been very crippling to the conference. But when you take UCLA out, arguably the most uh, historic basketball team in the conference, let alone in the country. Um, that really shakes things up. Now, make no mistake about it. Basketball, all these other sports, that's strictly a bonus. You will move heaven and earth for, uh, for football because football pays the bills. And all the reports I'm reading about the revenues and everything about how this is basically going to double or even triple USC's uh, revenue, what they would have made from the PAC 12. Uh, it's all about money and you can, you can afford all those, the, those travels and the traveling you got to do and all these other, uh, you know, logistics, it's going to pay for itself. And I always think of baseball, right? Those guys got to leave now Thursday, which they usually did anyway, but it's a five hour flight to we'll say Michigan. Uh, and then uh, you play the game Sunday. Maybe you can get a flight out that Sunday night. Uh, and, and, and try to get home very late Sunday before uh, class for a couple of days. But again, uh, the other sports are just going to have to suck it up here. Um, I, I just have, I couldn't believe it when I first saw it. And it's crazy the, the, uh, how the dominoes fell on, uh, I believe it was Thursday. It was, uh, 
Oh, the, some guy on Twitter, John Wilmer. I think his name's John. But anyway, Wilmer uh, put out on Twitter, big Pac-12 Pac guy, that SC and Uslay were probably leaving. And then throughout the day, was like, hey, this has been kept a secret for over a month. Like, this has been a big deal. It, it just like the, the vote happened. Then it was announced. Then the Big Ten like voted. Like all of this happened so fast. And I and I give everybody credit who had to keep this under their hat for so long. Uh, it's hard to keep uh, any kind of secret, let alone something of this nature. So, uh, right, my initial reaction was I did not like it. Um, the two LA teams obviously going to another conference, uh, specifically the Big Ten, which is has always kind of been the Pac-12's like rival, right? You have the Rose Bowl, which historically was the Big the Big Ten versus the Pac-10 out here in Pasadena every year in the, the cold weather schools, coming out here to the West Coast, play the West Coast schools on New Year's Day. It was, it was a tradition. And uh, because of that, you know, you, you had some natural rivalries that occurred over the years. A lot of USC, Michigan uh, Rose Bowls, a lot of UCLA, Wisconsin Rose Bowls. Uh, Ohio State, obviously, against uh, SC, uh, Arizona State, Arizona State, and, and, and Ohio State, one of my favorite Rose Bowls as a kid. Jake the Snake Plumber, I remember that game specifically. Um, Oregon in it quite a bit against Ohio State. I mean, some really great, I can't call them rivalries necessarily because they don't happen that often, but it was that natural Big Ten, Pac-10 fit in the Rose Bowl that just I don't know. It made sense. And it's what I grew up on and, and what I've always, uh, uh, what the Rose Bowl's always, always meant to me. Now I find it funny, uh, a few things kind of regarding this, that USC who's, who's been irrelevant in baseball for man, 20 years or whatever, uh, has the most national championships in college baseball, obviously in the college world series is played in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, USC now finally gets to play baseball games, uh, in Nebraska again. So I find that kind of funny, just a little jab at them for not being able to go to the college world series in, in, uh, in quite some time. And then a lot of these big 10 teams who have always heard of the Rose bowl, who have always wanted to play in the Rose bowl. When all they get to, it's just not the Rose bowl, Rose bowl. It's just the building, the Rose bowl when they come out here to play UCLA. So uh, there's some silver linings for everybody in, in this, uh, this new agreement. I, I personally think uh, we're going to see some more chaos here with uh, college football. Again, this is all about college football. And I've always said, why have 120 teams in division one, if only, uh, you know, 15 or 20 have a realistic shot of playing in the national championship. Right. Um, so I think with this college playoff possibly expanding in a weird way, it's going to expand. And, and then the field of teams is going to be much shorter. We're looking at possibly 20 teams here soon in the sec, 20 teams in the big 10. Um, other than after that, if you're not in one of those two conferences, I could easily see the other conferences, the big 12s, the ACCs of the world, uh, I, I could see them becoming like a Mountain West, like like a Sunbelt Conference, basically, in regards to the big picture of football. Now, this is after, of course, the you know the SEC will will uh, they'll they'll pull away teams like Clemson, uh, Notre Dame will have to join a conference uh, eventually, and um, maybe Oregon moves out moves out to the Big Ten. The only two teams that make sense really to come out of the PAC 12 that have any really value, I think is Oregon and maybe Washington, maybe just because of, they have that Seattle market. They have, uh, uh, they have, you know, some hit success historically. They're one of the only PAC 12 teams to play in the college football playoff. So, uh, so there's that, but I, you know, Oregon state, Washington state, uh, Colorado. I mean, they're just, they're team, they're teams, you know, but you don't, you don't really get fired up about them for any, anything. So you're just going to start to see those teams, kind of become the Fresno states of the world. And there's no, no, no knock on Fresno state. I love Fresno. I love Boise. I love San Diego state. These are teams I love to watch because they have a lot of California guys on their rosters. A lot of guys with chips on their shoulders who, who uh, couldn't, you know, get into to bigger schools. And so they're fun to watch. I also feel a lot of those teams could compete with other teams and then, you know, the, the, the big boys or whatever, the, the David versus Goliath. But I think we may see a PAC 12 slash mountain West merger um, what is the big 12 going to do? I could see the big 12 and the ACC maybe merging. Those would be the two simplest things to do in my opinion. But again, the PAC 12 will never be the same. Uh, honestly, if you, if, if PAC 12 adds Boise state, for instance, an incredible football program, does that move the needle for viewership? I, I, I don't know. I mean, their stadium's great. It's a, it's a smaller venue. Uh, I've, I've been up there to see it. It's incredible. Uh, Fresno state, uh, same thing, kind of that, uh, chip on your shoulder kind of team. Um, 
that that'd be great if they got in in the uh, the Pac-12. What we call it, the, the the Pacific Mountain, the Pacific Mountain Conference. I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, UNLV, pretty good market there, and uh, maybe some of these other teams. You know, San Jose State. I don't know some of the teams that are kind of they'd have to step up their game as well. If you want to play in uh, a big boy conference, you know, you're going to have to uh, step up your facility, step up your game. I mean, I've always been a fan of the Mountain West and and now the WAC, you know, bringing back football. And um, I don't know what's going to happen. There's a Pac-12 and the, and the WAC merge. Does, does the Big 12 and what's left of the Pac, remember the Big 12 added BYU, Central Florida, Houston, and Cincinnati recently. So, they're back to their 12 teams and uh, or are they back to 10? I think they're 12. So I was, th- these, these conferences need to lose the number behind their name. Also the big 10 now has 16 teams, uh, the sec, the ACC, they have it right. The pac 12, it was the pac 10 forever. It was the pac eight before that. Um, you're just going to have to always change your logo and things. And it's just going to uh, be, be more and more confusing. I think some of these conferences, man, honestly will be 20 teams at least here in, in in a couple of years we're looking at uh, a dynamic change here to uh college football and college sports and this is this all started remember because of name image and likeness that's becoming a huge deal the transfer portal i'm not a fan of that i think everybody should get uh, one opportunity to transfer somewhere that's just me if i was king for a day um you want to transfer uh one time uh by all means now some people would be like oh freedom of uh you know you have a right to go where you want all right all right, all right fine uh, but, you know, when, when you're getting tuition paid, some of these places, uh, $50,000 a year uh, tuition and all these other things that you uh, get money for. And I know student athletes, you know, there's a lot of top ramen, a lot of, but hey, uh, it's not all bad. All the, all the benefits aren't, aren't all bad. I know that. Uh, I, I, was, I went to college. It was hard paying for things. And anyway, different day, different day. Uh, let me see here. So USC, UCLA. Uh, I, I, after thinking it over, I'm kind of like, you know what, this isn't, this isn't too bad. And, and what's going to happen here is for years, if you remember when SC was really good, uh, UCLA's even had some really good football team, especially there in the nineties when they beat SC eight in a row, um, every now and then they've, they've kind of been in the mix, right. For a national, uh, national championship talks. Uh, but the big brand and the tradition is USC. Well, what we're going to see now is this is the opportunity now that all of us people on the West Coast who have argued with our buddies for centuries, you know, oh, USC, they're the best football program in America. Oh, they would never, they, they'd go six and six if they were in the Big Ten, right? How many conversations have you had with friends like that? I know buddies in Iowa. I got buddies in Minnesota. I know guys in Ohio, uh, a lot of Michigan fans that, that just, they're like, ah, oh, USC's a joke, you know? And, and likewise, on the flip side, um, USC fans who are a little, well, a lot of LA based fans, uh, are quite irrational, uh, Lakers fans, uh, come to mind as well, but, uh, USC fans, you know, uh, for years, it says, Oh, big 10, they're soft. Every time they come out here, we kick their tail, kick their tail. We, we knock their heads around. And, uh, there's some truth to that. There is some truth to that. Um, but now it's put up or shut up time. I'm not too concerned about the weather because you got to believe that, USC and UCLA will probably continue to play each other on the last game of the regular season every year. So that game's going to be in LA. Uh, so that would be sometime before Thanksgiving, I would think. Uh, that means you might have one road game, maybe, maybe two road games in like November. And I know it gets cold there in October too, um, but I don't think you're going to see you know s- snowstorms and things like that that often. You, you, you do run the risk of doing of playing in that now. But I do think with UCLA-SC playing each other the last game of the year that you, you might have one other road trip in, this, in the, uh, the month of November. And, and who knows? It could be a, could be a, a rain, rainy, cold game. It could be perfect weather. You just don't know uh, how things are going to be, even though we try to predict and, and we think we can change the weather and all those things now. But it's, uh, again, a different, different point, different day, different time, different something. Um, so I am, I'm encouraged by it only because you have to embrace change sometimes. I'm not a big change guy. A lot of you know me, know this about me. It's not easy for me to change. I like getting something consistent and then sticking with it and not changing things. I like schedules. I like things to start on time. I don't adapt easy, but I think this is something that if we were all honest, we could see 
on the horizon, just the way college football has changed so much. Uh, again, five years, t- 10 years, 20 years. It's changed a lot. And the money is so big now with these TV deals, these TV rights. Uh, the Pac-12 made a mistake years ago by not getting a partner uh, in, in their uh, in their, in their rights, you know, the big 10 network, they, they kind of, um, got married with Fox, the, the SEC, ACC network. They kind of got married with ESPN. You just, you needed another, uh, provider to kind of go with you on this adventure. Every other conference TV channel that is serious, the Longhorn network with, with Texas, they're kind of, uh, tied into, uh, you know, you, you, uh, excuse me, the ESPN and such. So you had, you had to have some type of, uh, TV, TV uh, pr- producing, com- I don't know how I'm trying to say what I'm trying to say here. You needed somebody to make this work. The Pac-12 network, most people don't even get it out here in LA. I think it's on what, uh, it's on Sling. I know that I used to have Sling. Um, other than that, maybe Dish. And I know we have a lot of channels that are tough to find, like the Dodger channel, the Lakers channel. Those are only on like Time Warner and things. But when you're trying to market a, a not just one city but an entire region for a channel you're trying to uh you know bring in fans to watch your channel from oregon washington california arizona colorado and and uh utah and it's hard to find it, it's i don't know the, the whole pac-12 network has really been a disaster it's not a good product if you watch it at all and then you watch like the big 10 network or the sec network and it's night and day and, and there's some good announcers on there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, JB Long, who who uh, is the Rams announcer, he's on there. I think Joe Davis has been on. Well, Joe Davis, because he's a Fox guy, he, he ends up doing uh, Big Ten stuff. But it's not to say all the Pac-12 uh, broadcasters are awful or anything, but it's just the product itself. It has not made the universities the money that they thought uh, that, they, that they would with this whole thing. It sounds great. Pac-12 network, sweet. I can watch uh, whoever. Um, Oregon baseball on one channel. This would be great, but it's been a disaster. I don't really have numbers in front of me or anything, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. USC and UCLA in the big 10. That just doesn't even sound right. You want to talk about back in back to the future type stuff. Imagine there's so many things in today's world where if you went again, you went back 20 years and told whoever yourself, 20 years younger, Hey, this is going to happen and you won't believe it. And it's just like, what? yeah, there's so many things like that that have happened. It's like, what? I mean, Matt Hurstman has a podcast. Can you believe that? I, I, I man, I, it's, it's not till 2024, but Oklahoma and, and Texas are going to be in the SEC, UCLA and USC in the big 10. Wow. I <laughs> get on your market set, go right. Here we go. So uh, it's going to make these next two years quite a bit of fun. SC and UCLA's final couple seasons in the Pac-12. Uh, I, I'm excited for what they do non-conference schedule-wise. Does the Notre Dame-USC rivalry continue? I think it has to, especially being kind of in that market now in Big Ten country, which Notre Dame is, and I see them eventually joining the Big Ten. They're going to have to. They're in the ACC now in all these other sports, uh, unless the SEC makes a big push. Notre Dame, to me, has always felt like a Big Ten school. I don't know why they're, I do know why they're stubborn and they think they're, you know, God's, God's gift, literally to, uh, to football. And they're, they're just, they're just not, this is not the, the black and white television anymore. Sorry, Notre Dame. Be, be relevant. I know you've lost some championship games past few years. All right. Good for you. We'll see what happens now that Brian Kelly's gone. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I could see Notre, Notre Dame in the SEC. I don't uh, They're a big 10 school and they play this ACC kind of split football now as an independent but be ready for more changes at this point anything is possible i mean who knows we have citrus college in the mountain west next year i don't i don't know that will never i want to i'm just a joke just settle down so so we'll see uh, a couple other things about the weekend i talked about it you know jokingly being second happy second amendment day it's all it's also happy ungrateful day it really is baffling how many people are just so ungrateful to live in america ungrateful there's no other way to put it and this comes up at like thanksgiving this comes up uh you know i don't uh independence day obviously but uh, it's like people oh america oh this place is just awful 
we all have families. We all have friends. But I'm saying it works more with families as an analogy, but there's people, your family that maybe you don't see eye to eye with, but they're family. You love them. Like, may, I mean, yeah, you can obviously look at America and be like, oh, it's an awful place, you know, as, as this or that. It's like, wow. You're the same guy that goes on a vacation. You just complain about the traffic. You complain about the crowds. It's like, look around, man. You're, you're, you're on an island. You're on a cruise ship, whatever. Like, enjoy what's around you. We just have this negative. I hate negativity, man. It's something I fight all the time. And I just have to look around. I got to jump on this pod and, and get excited and be thankful for these guys right here. Constitution of the United States of America. This thing also has the Bill of Rights in it, uh, the um, Declaration of Independence. Uh, this came to me. It's a little booklet. And uh, this came to me from Patriot Mobile. This is something I uh, did last week. I've wanted to do for quite some time. But anyway, get, get, get yourselves one of these. This is good to have. Good to have in your car or whatever. And if you're ever curious, what is the 14th Amendment? What is the 7th Amendment? Well, it's all right here. And it's uh, summed up nicely for you that uh, you should be able to understand. Anyway, that's just a side note. I had this out as like a, as like a 4th of July rule book here. Nice size. I wish we had this size for a rule book. We could have took with us on the, on the games when we umpired. So I left Verizon. I hope this, I hope nothing changes. I really do. So many times when you change, again, I don't like change. I said, I want to, I've heard great things about Patriot Mobile. They give a lot of, uh, to charities, you know, U.S. Uh, military and, and law enforcement and things. They're very uh, conservative company and they'll you can save money uh, from your current plan. And so it was easy to switch over. It was just the uh, SD card. Is that what it was called? It just says, they change the card they sent you, enter some uh, numbers uh, and they transferred the phone, same phone, same everything. Again, not a sponsor, but in listening to a lot of podcasts, I've heard about Patriot Mobile, who is a sponsor of other podcasts that I like. And I was like, well, let me give it a try. And sure enough, um, we'll see if it's set unlimited data, which is what I had before and which is what I need because of my driving for Uber and other things. Um, so far, so good. Knock on wood. We'll see. I, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that, that you know I don't get charged an arm or leg for some hidden fee. But apparently, there are no hidden fees. And I've saved, man, I, I think I'm going to save 40 bucks a month at least on my, uh, my phone bill, and I'm not giving it to some uh, woke corporation like Verizon, uh, you know, so any, like, I, I have Amazon, I have, I don't have Apple, but um, I have ESPN Plus, I, you know, I, I begrudgingly uh, do pay money to some of these companies, and, and maybe down the road, if they don't have all the content I want or need, then maybe I would make a change, but where I can contribute, where I can make a change uh, just to feel better and to send my money where I know it will be put to good use. Um, I try to do so um, when there are alternative options. So that's a brief commercial, something that I wanted to ex express to you guys. I think pure talk is another one that I haven't, um, I, I was, everything's a big deal to me. So I'm like, I can't change my phone. I can change my number. It's going to do this again. I am just, when I see a task at hand, it's one of two things. I either just go, okay, I'm all in. I dive in the pool. Let's go. Let's get this done. Or I just stand there on the diving board and there's some looking and like, okay, I, I don't have this. I need my floaties. I Okay, the sun's out. Oh, I didn't put sunscreen on. Wait, how deep is the pool? Oh, I just, there are th aspects of my life where I deal that way. And it's like, dude, just do it. What are you doing? It's kind of how the podcast thing started. I've gone way off track. Or where was it? USC and UCLA. This is the problem with being uh, by yourself sometimes. So anyway, oh, happy ungrateful day. Just Every year, every year we got to, and it's, again, it's the loudest people who, who usually, uh, the biggest crybaby, the biggest whiners. Oh my goodness. Just stop it. Put your red, white, and blue hat on, eat a hot dog and smile and, and, and be happy. The best quote I heard all weekend was again from major Bill Lee and it wasn't on the podcast, although he had some great, great nuggets there. I texted a few friends, Hey, happy freedom. Um, you know, you're, you're a great patriot or whatever, you know, because I, I view not just people who are in the military as, uh, as true patriots. And um, Bill Lee responded to me, he said, hey, it's a great day to be in America, as was yesterday, as will tomorrow. 
And I was like, man, that sums it up. That's how you should always feel. So thanks again, Bill Lee, for more words of wisdom, not just on the podcast, but in our personal conversations. Uh, so yeah, happy Second Amendment Day. Happy Ungrateful Day. Uh, well, what about, well, okay, stop it. Stop it. Like, do you, do you do this with TV shows? Like, I'm just trying to think of an example. You watch a show you really like, but it's got this one thing you really don't like, or, you know, it's like, maybe some of us turn it off. I've done that before. But if I really like something, I probably, that's ah, a bad analogy. See, see what happens. Ah, anyway, uh, I am not a big speed eating guy, even though one would think by looking at me that I am now, I do actually eat very quickly. It's one of my worst habits. Um, if I eat slower, I'd probably eat less because I trick my body, I don't trick my body into thinking I'm full and then it's too late. I'm already ooh, super full. But uh, Joey Chestnut for uh, the great United States of America has won the um, hot dog eating contest um, there. It's every 4th of July. He now won 15 times in a row. I don't want to talk about the 63 hot dogs he ate in uh, what, whatever the timer is, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, just a true American icon. What is What was most impressive about Chestnut's victory this year is in the middle of chugging his dogs, some protester goes up on stage uh, next to Joey Chestnut, pulls out some sign. He's dressed like an, there's like some Antifa Darth Vader looking guy. Um, I don't even know what his sign said, but Chestnut mid hot dogs and, and he's going to, I mean, he's two at a time, right? And this is a professional. I mean, he looks to his right and he like rips this, he puts him in like a headlock for 15, 20 seconds. So security gets up there. So Chestnut was interrupted for a good 20 seconds, 30 seconds before he could get back in his routine. He was in rhythm. Just think, think of a, a pitcher throwing a no hitter. Don't, don't mess with the guy. Get him the ball back as soon as possible. A guy who can't miss in basketball. Get that man the ball. Just get out of his way. Well, Chestnut, the true American hero he is, puts the hot dogs down, puts the, the, uh, the savage rioter, protester, whatever he is, Puts him in a headlock. Uh, and then when they pull, he goes right back to town. Not, not distracted. Did he cry about it? Say, hey, a protester came up here and interrupted my rhythm. No. He put that protester in a headlock, wiped his shirt off, and went back to eating. And dominated the contest. We can learn a lot from that. Little, little, little mental toughness there conquering adversity i would say we don't always see this we don't always see this in the real real world but real life situation there i salute you uh joey chestnut last year he said his uh, his single best record i've looked some of this stuff up i know i'm, I'm this is brutal he looked he, his record last year was 76 dogs i think i think this is only like 15 minutes this contest he ate 63 this year. Who knows? But not for this protester, had Mr. Chestnut not shattered his mark of last year. Because every single year, he's tried to top the year before. And that's why he's won 15 in a row. And just so you guys, I can put this in perspective. I wrote this down. Joey Chestnut, 63 dogs this year. In second place, 37 and a half dogs. So... Not quite twice as good as the competition, but I mean, wh wh where's this man's statue going to go someday? I mean, this isn't the equivalent of Rick Monday saving the flag in Dodger Stadium from being burned, but I, I put it up on a metal stand. Joey Chestnut, remember that name. And one day, tell your grandchildren on July 4th of 2022, not only did he, did he win, but he won in style and with class and exemplified the American spirit. One of the best things, hands down, I saw from the weekend. And every year I'm like, oh, these guys, look at them, man. I wish I could eat hot dogs that fast. Oh, wait, what happened? Oh, wow. God bless you, Joey Chestnut. Incredible stuff. You guys know I love 
Outkick, the coverage uh, was one time a radio show. Clay Travis, his company's done a great job. They put out such good content. I, I, I much prefer going there than, than ESPN and even Fox in some instances, even though Fox did uh, buy Outkick. But Outkick puts out some incredible content every day, uh, articles, videos. Uh, they have a great podcast and things. Uh, so check them out. Uh, but Outkick on 4th of July put out, here are the top 10 of the most patriotic more moments in sports. I got to give them all the credit. These aren't mine. I didn't sit down and think about uh, this. Uh, I, I probably could have done something like this and maybe had my own version of it. And maybe I will next year, but I thought this was awesome. So a top 10, I'll just read them uh, as quick as I can here. Uh, top 10, November 1st, 1970. It was a boring NFL game at the, uh, uh, for the Baltimore Colts, we'll say, uh, who would go on to uh, win Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl four over the Cowboys, but uh, out of nowhere, basically a fan ran on the field and uh, Colts middle linebacker, Mike Mad Dog Curtis would uh, have none of it and tackled the man, uh, his teammates, Bubba Smith and Bill Curry. Great names. I mean, names aren't like they used to, to anymore, at least with ball players. They were upset with Curtis and told him that after the game, he could uh, make them look bad and he could have hurt the, he could have hurt the guy. He said, the guy came into our place of business. I enforced the city ordinance legally that prevents him from doing that. So maybe this must have been one of the first uh, streakers or, or fans on the field in 1970, but it was uh, Mike Mad Dog Curtis who took down this, uh, this, this wild fan running out there. So, uh, the, the, the outkick post here was just, hey, let's just hear it for law and order. Uh, June 8th, this is number nine, June 8th, 19, excuse me, June 8th, 2001, George W. Bush became the first sitting president to throw out the ceremonial first pitch at the College World Series at Rosenblatt Stadium in, in, in Omaha, Nebraska. So uh, he had been elected in uh, 2000, January of 2021, or excuse me, 2001. Uh, he's inaugurated. So this is like six months into his presidency. And not too long uh, after this event, 9-11 uh, happened, obviously. And, uh, you know, the world changed forever. But uh, George W. Bush, who a uh, big baseball guy, owner of the uh, Texas Rangers, right? But was the first president to come to the College World Series. And I remember that year, it was the first time University of Nebraska played in the College World Series. Uh, being the, the the host team basically there right in the in their own backyard and they played my alma mater Cal State Fullerton who that year was the number one team in the country uh, Cal State Fullerton beat Nebraska uh, that night I think uh, George Bush threw out the uh, pitch in the first game between uh, Tulane and Stanford I believe oh, man it's all from memory now but uh, anyway a uh, little fun fact with this one is uh, let's see it wasn't his first, this is not, this was not president Bush's first college world series game. Uh, his father, George HW Bush played for Yale, uh, as they went to the college world series in 1947 and 48. Um, those two titles were won by Cal and USC, but, uh, it was president George HW Bush that played in the first two college world series and, uh, president George W Bush was a baby, uh, in his mother's arms. Uh, at those games. So that was pretty cool. But anyway, bottom line is first president to throw out the first pitch at the College World Series in 2001, right before 9-11, uh, a few months anyway. Uh, number eight for OutKick, April 25th, 2003. It was uh, an NBA playoff game at the uh, Rose Garden in Portland, Dallas, uh, at Portland. A 13-year-old girl named Natalie Gilbert, she started the national anthem to sing it. Uh, she started to mess up the words, forgot the words. Uh, Portland coach Maurice Cheeks, came over, put his arm around her, said, come on, let's do it. They started singing, re remembering the words, uh, just a really heartwarming moment there in a playoff game back in 2003. It's a, an, an iconic, uh, memorable uh, moment that I'm sure you've seen before where uh, Coach, Coach Cheeks helps a little girl uh, come up with the words. Uh, number seven here on OutKick, on July 4th, 1984, Ronald Reagan becomes the first sitting U.S. president to attend a NASCAR race at the firecracker 400 at the daytona international speedway so uh that's pretty cool uh to, i remember it was a president trump had uh no matter what to think of him having the uh presidential limousine do a lap at daytona was it daytona or maybe it was uh talladega i don't remember but i thought that was pretty cool so uh ra racing i'm i'm kind of eh, whatever uh but it is cool when uh, i like big events right big events and if the president comes to a big event that shows you how truly important it is Number six for Alkick, April 25th, 1976. It was just a sunny day at Dodger Stadium. Of course, 
the Rick Monday saving of the U.S. flag that a couple protesters were going to burn in the, the outfield. They went on the field, started uh, throwing some gasoline on the, on this. And Rick Monday, who is now a Dodgers broadcaster at the time, was playing for the Cubs. He ran over, swiped the flag away from uh, from the uh, protesters, and uh, they of course got them uh, off the field there. And uh, uh, just an, an additional note to this. Um, Rick Monday, uh, was, uh, was it later? Let me see. He was in the U S Marine Corps reserves. He says, you do not do that. You don't do that with the American flag. So, uh, I'm a firm believer in that. God bless you. Uh, Rick Monday, number five, it was the Super Bowl, 1991. Um, and, uh, the giants beat the Buffalo bills by one point. Uh, and the U S had just recently, uh, gone into, uh, the Gulf war, 10 days, uh, 10 days prior for the operation, uh, desert shield after Iraq invaded, uh, Kuwait. So uh, the United States went in there. Um, and it was uh, after the game giants running back, uh, Otis Anderson, he was awarded the, the game's MVP award. Uh, let me see. So they, they put, given Amer- him an American flag and, you know, most of the guys would say in this situation, I'm going to Disney world, right? That, that was still pretty new that they were still doing that. But, uh, Otis Anderson, uh, with an American flag in hand as he was awarded the, uh, the or MVP. Uh, he said, quote, I'm dedicating this win to all the troops, Anderson said, as he held his uh, small American flag near him. It's pretty awesome stuff uh, to think about there. Uh, let me see. Number four, September 23rd, 2001, less than two weeks after the 9-11 attacks in New York, there were 140,000 11 by 17 American flags distributed to the International Speedway in Delaware, for the Cal, Cal Ripken Jr. 400, the first NASCAR race after 9-11. So uh, what is that? Less than two weeks, man. And uh, that raceway was just flooded with uh, American flags. I remember seeing that because it was one of the first major sporting events to get going after 9-11. And even though the world stopped, right, all the sports stopped for a while. Um, but man, that was that was pretty impressive. Uh, back to the Super Bowl in 2001. You guys know this moment. Uh, you've at least heard this moment, and that is the national anthem sung by Whitney Houston, probably m- the most memorable of all national anthems sung at a sporting event. Her voice just absolutely uh, boomed. Whitney Houston's, that is. And you've heard that recording uh, plenty of times. Um, for a lot of the players and such here, they're just like, wow, that, that, that gave me chills. And, and again, back to Otis Anderson's comments, the U.S. had just gone to war, right, in uh, 1991 there. Uh, to the uh, the Middle East after kind of a, a, a quite a great amount of uh, peacetime. So it was U.S. going to, uh, you know, liberate an area, a country from uh, Saddam Hussein and, uh, and his forces. So uh, pretty awesome uh, to have that on number three, the Whitney Houston National Anthem. Uh, October 30th of 2001. Um, this is my favorite personally, um, but it is President George Bush throwing out the first pitch at Yankee stadium um, just over a month and a half after nine 11. And I see it was, uh, this was, there was very little security. Okay. When he did the college world series, there was very little security, um, you know, a few months prior, but when he did it at, 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 at Yankee stadium, it was, uh, it was quite the scene. And um, what, what was cool about it, he obviously had the bulletproof vest on, he went up to the mound, not just the mound. He was on the rubber and he threw the best first pitch I've ever seen right down. I mean, right down Broadway. And, uh, I remember, you know, there's so many great moments talking about that. That's there's a lot of great YouTube clips. You can look up Derek Jeter telling him to, um, Hey man, you got to throw it from the rubber, you know, and, and the Yankees ultimately lost that series in seven games to the D backs, but New York was rallying, man. And who can forget those games, three, four, and five in New York, the Bronx Bombers, Scott Brocious uh, hitting home runs off of uh, Bum Young Kim. I mean, the, the New York uh, spirit and the American spirit was was uh, was alive and well. And uh, yeah, that was just, to me, the, one of the best first pitches. Um, and number one from OutKick, this is, I talked about this story last year. This is, this still gives me chills, you know, thinking about, it. I wish I could have, I could go back in time and witness this, but uh, 1936, uh, Jesse Owens, a man from Oakville, Alabama, uh, wins his fourth gold medal medal for the U.S. in the Summer Olympics in Berlin in front of German dictator Adolf Hitler, who uh, obviously 
uh, had his philosophies of uh, Aryan supremacy and superiority. superiority. So uh, Jesse Owens to go into that country and to dominate and win four golds uh, and to salute the American flag in Nazi Germany. Now they hadn't uh, committed the atrocities that they would do in that mo- uh, later on, but to do that in the face of true evil uh, in Adolf Hitler and uh, his uh, his Nazi members and, and uh, all, the, all the evil they would go on to commit. And for them to have to look at Jesse Owens, who they didn't view as their equal, um, for him to, pardon, pardon the language, get me kick their ass in, 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 their, in their house. I, I can't think of anything uh, more cool than that. So God bless Jesse Owens. Uh, did not get the credit he should have when he came back here to uh, the United States. But uh, he, he was definitely a hero, and uh, hopefully we have righted that debt wrong just in, in, um, in talking about him and, and uh, his greatness. Because, man, that just that gets, you, that gets you emotional. It gets you fired up, man. To, and to see just the flags again. I love seeing the American flag uh, all over the place. I love seeing it just on uh, cars and houses. And it just it gets me going, man. It really, really does. Uh, I talked about USC and all that. Uh, so thank you to Outkick for that. Uh, that uh, I talked about my my menu here. Uh, let me see. Uh, USC baseball hired Andy Stankowicz from uh, Grand Canyon University. All I'll say about that is a great hire for USC. I truly do think he's the right guy. Uh, Andy played in the big leagues. He's been at Grand Canyon uh, for many years and has taken them to the NCAA tournament. I actually ejected uh, Coach Stankowicz. Uh, up at Sacramento State a few years ago. Uh, it was, you know, we, we, he was uh, just a guy competing. We disagreed on some pitches and uh, I had the final say. And so uh, his day was short. It was actually game one of a doubleheader. So uh, in the second game, all was, all was fine. All was just, we went about our business. But uh, congrats to him and, and the Trojans for landing uh, who I think is uh, going to be the coach that brings them out of this, uh, out of this, uh, this, what would you call it? A trench or out of this, uh, uh, peak, uh, peaks and valleys or valley, whatever it is. Anyway, I'm uh, running out of breath here on a Tuesday. Um, talked about that. I think that's pretty much it for today. I will finish up the segment, of course, of the uh, of the podcast with a real quick baseball segment. We're going to talk about a brief rule, and then I will throw a little bit of uh, baseball lingo your way, as we are always trying to improve upon our baseball uh, language, base the. Not our love language, but our baseball language, right? So we will get right to that in just one second. All right, to the bottom of the ninth, we go really quick, a baseball rule for the day. And then we'll get to a baseball term, a little slang term, if you will. And I'll try to be quick today as I've been chatting for quite some time already. Today, we're just going to talk about what is a swing? What is a check swing? Hey, did you see it? He broke his wrist. That's got to be a swing. He broke his wrist. Oh my goodness. Does he need a doctor? He broke both wrists. He, how do you, what? Well, you know what I mean? Like, he, let's get smarter. Let's just not spew out things that we hear all the time. Okay. So this is from the baseballrulesacademy.com. Just as a brief, as a quick definition, a swing is an attempt at a pitch that is not a bunt. We already talked about what a bunt is, right? Uh, that, that includes what is referred to as a check swing or half swing. Okay, half swings check. You you know them as check swings on TV. It is up to the judgment of the umpire if the batter attempted at a pitched ball. Contrary to popular belief, a batter does not have to break his wrist in order to attempt at a pitch. While noting whether the swing carried the barrel of the bat past the body can aid an umpire on this call, the final decision is based on whether the batter actually attempted at the pitch this rule is the same for high school and major league baseball college baseball has this weird like if the barrel passes the front hip which is really hard to like determine because sometimes you can swing and like the the bat stays but anyway uh i don't like the college rule um and there you go it has nothing to do with well how far did he now you guys can kind of see and again it's a judgment thing and also this cannot be argued this is the same as if you do argue balls and strikes uh because it is balls and strikes so you cannot argue a a check swing you especially can't leave your position to argue the check swing that's why you see umpires with uh zero tolerance on this issue because number one it is a judgment call uh what i think is a is a swing you may not and uh, it's a very tough call i will tell you the higher up the ladder you go 
those hands, oh my God, they're so quick. And those guys are so strong. I, you know, dudes just check the swing and, and you'll get grief. Like if you say no swing, uh, someone in the dugout will pop off and say, Oh, come on. If, if he would have made contact, it would have been a double, you know, you hear, you hear stuff like that. Um, it's tough to see from the middle. Like when you're not on a foul line and four man umpiring mechanics, you got four umpires, a guy in each line, but in three man or two man, sometimes the base umpire is in the middle and it's tough to see. Um, you really can't give the excuse. Oh, I'm over here. You have to make your best judgment. And I would even go as far when I was in the minor leagues, and it was a two-man system, and I was on the first baseline, and a left-handed hitter was up there. Uh, they, they'd ask you for, you know, because it's a second opinion also. So the check swing is determined by the plate umpire. It is his call. Where this comes into, oh, it's the base guy's call. Get help. It's not, you're getting help. You're getting a second opinion. And once the plate umpire does call it a swing, it cannot be appealed after that. The check swing, getting an appeal to the base umpire is only if the plate umpire determines that it is not a swing. Now it's tough to see your eyes and all that, it, you know, pitch is coming at you, the ball's in the dirt. Um, the pitch comes up and in, the catcher has to stand, gets in your way. Yeah. A lot of times you're not going to maybe even know that the guy started his hands. You might not see anything. All right. But as we read here, um, it is judgment. It is the base umpire's judgment. If it was a swing or not, it's not, a, he broke his wrist. How did, you know, how did he break his wrist? Uh, you know, how'd that happen? You know, um, I had a guy one time, he like, he swung and he tried to hold up and he like threw his bat, threw it, like not illegally or anything. He just, and it was just like, and so some of the off the offensive offensive, they're all offensive, uh, wanted to kind of argue it. Like, Hey, you didn't swing. I'm like, his bat is past the pitcher's mound. <laughs> How do you, how's that not a swing? So like I just call that a swing. Uh, so anyway, it is a judgment call. All right. It's not about the wrists. Sometimes the pitch will come up and in on a guy and you know, he does, he does this thing. I think nine times out of 10, if, if you get a lot of bad action, even though he's trying to get out of the way of the ball, you're going to probably rule on the side of, yeah, that was a swing just because it looks so bad and you get a lot of bad action. It's not about crossing the plate or anything like that. It's basically, did he swing more at it or did he hold up more at it? That's kind of how I looked at it. And uh, anytime you got a, a good, good amount of barrel, uh, you know, that was, that was enough for me. And I learned to get a little more aggressive on those as an umpire, because uh, you know what, he probably shouldn't have tried to swing at the pitch. It was in the dirt. And if you're leaving it up to me, if you're leaving it up to the umpire to make a tough decision, you're going to have to live with the results. That's just the way the game goes sometimes. So hopefully you guys learned a little something there. Uh, as far as our baseball term of the day, we talked about babe a couple weeks ago and how it's like very acceptable on a baseball field for uh, uh, grown men to call each other, babe, maybe the only place where it is. Um, but um, I got another term for you. Similarly, you, you've heard this in Bull Durham, if you've seen that great movie, uh, but uh, the term meat, uh, we love meat. We just cooked a lot of it this, this weekend. Um, and I still use this term a lot. I think Valerie gets very annoyed at me, uh, but a lot of times I'll say it at work even, I don't think people even understand, but uh, the term meat, like, come on, meat. Oh, mate, come on. It's just basically in referencing another person. And it's usually referencing uh, a rookie player who has a lot of physical talent, but uh, is not quite as bright, maybe, or has the intellectual smart or intel smart or intelligence uh, of the more veteran guys. You're just kind of like, hey, you're just, you're just meat. You're just, you're just some meat. You're good meat, you can be, but you're, you're not, you're not there yet. You're just meat. That's kind of the genesis of it, of how it goes, maybe you can uh, pursue it, look it up more like, hey, why do you guys get called called meat? But um, I remember an umpire, Bob Branson, one of my first games catching, uh, no, the first time I had him as a, as a plate umpire and I was in high school and I was like, hey, good to see you, you know, blue, because I had seen him at other games and always liked to, liked his him having our games. And I remember he goes, how's it going meat? You know, he called me meat for the first time as a, as a high school catcher. And I I thought it was like a term of endearment. I'm like, yeah. And, and sometimes I still will use it. It's not to put anybody down when I use it. It, it kind of is. Bill Barnes called me meat all the time, uh, you know, and I do look like a pot roast at times. But uh, yeah, that's that's just kind of where that comes from. Baseball has these things that other sports don't, which is great. Come on, meat. I'm now. He broke his, he broke his wrist. He swung. Oh, come on, babe. Yeah. Anyway, I could do a whole show on uh, dugout dugout conversations and uh and terminology and such and uh man some of the things i've heard on a baseball field too 
Some I can't repeat on the podcast. Players, whew, some of the stuff they talk about, some of the things umpires and coaches talk about. It's just hilarious. And maybe, maybe I'll open up a little bit more into those things. But for now, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Baseball rule, baseball term of the day. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. I went a little long as always, but I just fired up about uh, 4th of July, fired up about the USC, USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten uh, and just fired up about a lot of things, I guess. So I'll be back with you on Friday. I actually have a great interview already lined up, already recorded that I just got to hit submit on, do the, uh, the, the finishing touches on. And then I'll be back next Tuesday for more of this, more of my random thoughts. I wrote down a, a bunch of things that I didn't even get to today that I will try to cover for next week. Cause uh, I do have some opinions on some things that things that I've seen, things that are going on, like uh, uh, people walking their dogs in a wagon. Uh, well, oh, I'm saving that one for next week. That one's still got my blood boiling. You're walking an animal in a wagon. What is our country coming to? I'm trying to be positive with the USA talk right now. So I'm not even going to get to that. But like last week in the beach balls at baseball games, strong correlation. If we can't if we can't walk our animals like they are intended with their legs, I'm not talking about some make a wish uh, story about a dog that has three legs and his name's tripod or whatever. I'm talking about an animal that you're walking. You're walking. Hey, let's go for what do you even call it? Let's go for a roll. I'm saving I, next week. Stay tuned. I might open with this next week. Enough out of me. I gotta go. I got to go. I got this constitution with me. I got my Patriot mobile. I'm happy. I got, uh, I got to do some driving right now. I got to go make some money because, uh, um, paydays later. And you know, after the first, oh man, the first few days after the first, you're just scrambling for money after paying rent and everything. Hey, that's just nature of the beast. All right. Enough for me guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week. John Lee. Love the shirt, man. And bad things. Everybody don't forget. We can do this together. Together. We can achieve more. Have a good one, guys. Looking forward to chatting with you next Tuesday. Be sure to tune in on Friday for a very fun interview that I know you guys will enjoy. But guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.